Welcome to episode three of Conversations on Eagle Mountain. I'm your host, Lance, and joining me on the panel today is Liz, Hill, and Sabine. Welcome, everyone. Hello. Hey, guys. Hey. Hi. Amber! I don't believe it! Neither do I. We're talking about a baby here, not a dolly. We're a bunch of kids. Babies need looking after. They need feeding. We don't even know if we can feed ourselves. There must be somewhere else, Bray. Somewhere better. Sorry, Trudy. So, episode three, uh, screenplay was done by Mike Kenny, and it was directed once again by Wayne Terrell. And the episode synopsis will be read out by Liz. Bray explains that he's been spying on the tribe to make sure the mall is a safe place to bring Trudy to have her baby. But should she be allowed to stay? Meanwhile, Chloe finds a new four-legged friend that's been chased through the streets by the locust. And Patsy and Paul discover Jack's secret stash of food. So let's kick things off with that dramatic uh, moment where Lex and Bray almost come to blows. Yeah? You're very good at shooting your mouth off. What else do you do that makes you so special? You want me to show you? Try me. Um, we talked about this a little bit back in episode two, the that tension between the two that you could see. Um, yeah, what's everyone's thoughts about like the fight that almost happened? Oh, what a tease. What a tease. I know. What a tease. And it's a good one. It reminds me of like a romantic uh, tension where like <laughs> the way they get you to vote for this couple to get together by keeping them apart. The more they keep Lex and Bray from being able to punch each other in the face, the more you want to see it so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wanted, I, I don't care who threw the punch. I don't, I just wanted to see it. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, we all know I love Lex to pieces, but like if Bray would have taken a cheap shot, like that would have been awesome. If Lex would have been like, yo, shut up and taken a cheap shot, that would have been great. Like, I just, I wanted a punch to happen and it needed to happen. When they say like, you can cut the tension with a knife, like that scene, that scene here. Yeah, that was, I was watching it again today and I was just like, Oh, I forgot how like dramatic this was. Like the tension is really there. They're so alike. I didn't get to say this uh, last week because Craig didn't like me. But um, <laughs> I do find Lex and Ray to be so alike. I mean, yeah. they just their tools of how they deal with the world are different. But both of them are often selfishly motivated. They manipulate the people closest to them to get what they want. They keep the people closest to them for their own you know purposes and uh i mean they care about the people with them but they're not above using them and it's just that bray uses charm and his good looks and it's very clear bray has never had to try very hard to get what he wants compared to lex who is definitely always had to try he's never had anything handed to him so he's learned to be aggressive to get what he wants they kind of remind me of thor and loki like Bray is totally oh, yeah. Thor. He's good looking. He's charming. Everybody freaking loves him. He doesn't have to try to make anyone like him. And, you know, he's not a bad person. He's a nice guy, but he is still overindulged and kind of spoiled in that arena. And he's selfish. And then you have Lex, who's definitely Loki, who's just as selfish, but he hasn't had everything handed to him. So he has to be very sneaky and manipulative 
and play games to get what he wants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he it, also uses that, like, that little, the opposite charm, too, to get what he wants as well. Like, he's got that bad boy charm where he can talk in to people like Zandra and other girls later on to get what he wants as well. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't call it charm. I don't find it charming. <laughs> well, I'm just... I, I I mean, they're both very manipulative at what they want to get from people. Lex just has to put more effort into it than Bray ever has to. Which does make me admire Lex a little bit more. Just a little. Come over to the dark side, Liz. Oh, it's not. It's never been an issue. Lex was probably my favorite, my first favorite character on the show. Um, but yeah, I do respect him because he has to fight so much harder to achieve the goals he wants. I'm sorry, I can't eat that. Why not? It's good food. I'm a vegetarian, I don't eat meat. Oh, well, just have the beans then. You don't believe in making things easy for yourself, do you? Yeah, let's let's talk about um Trudy and being vegetarian specifically. Like you have this brand new post-apocalyptic world, everyone's competing for resources. Um, do you feel like some morals need to be left behind in order to survive? Or did it kind of like like that truly held on to her beliefs and was still being vegetarian even though like resources are so scarce this is where i think that there's not as much time as we think that has passed because like you know i'm a vegetarian and if i was in this situation i would probably be like okay i realize now i have to survive and like probably day one or two that's it So I think it's still a fairly new concept where it's like, oh, if I want to eat, I'm going to have to make some sacrifices. Because I know we've kind of gone back and forth on how much time has passed. Um, I find this story point, oh, this is an interesting one for me. It's also really personal. Um, I grew up in a certain religion and food was a big deal. Okay, you had Bible preferences and Bible principles. And um, being a vegetarian was considered a preference, but like, say, not eating pork or shellfish was a principle, right? And uh, the whole point was that, you know, you were taught how to handle being in situations when you couldn't eat the food that you'd been taught to eat or whatever. And when Trudy complains about there being hot dogs in the beans, part of me, my young upbringing was like, yeah, of course you can't, right? <laughs> Yeah, that's pork. She totally can't eat that. (laughs) And I think, you know, as a kid, yeah, I was like, oh, cool, girl, you're sticking to it all. Like, I get I'm with you 100%. But now growing up, I'm like, you got to make those sacrifices. But at the same time, yeah, I'm like, uh, even as a child, I knew that that would have been a very rude thing to say to your host. Yeah. Um, And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, I think it just says a lot about Trudy and where her state of mind is, because here you are, the world has ended, you're scavenging for food, she's hungry, she hasn't had a proper meal in days, you know, good going, Bray. But anyway, um, (laughs) and, and here are these people who, by all rights, do not have any reason to let her in or feed her, and they're giving her their precious resources. In any circumstance of just, you know, basic manners you don't yeah. mention that you can't eat something in the food unless you're deathly allergic you just eat right. around the hot dogs like, you don't say that out loud and, and how did it get to that point like you have to see celine making lunch and right. you know she like, had to see her making it she had to either open the tin 
Yeah. And Celine's reaction is priceless because you can tell she's like, wow. <laughs> like, yeah. Really? Really? You know? And it says to me that Trudy is still somewhere up the creek of denial. Like, she just isn't oh, yeah. really accepting this is the reality she's living in. And then it makes me think of Ray catering to her for eight months. I just, I think going back to like even being watching it the first time and being a kid, I, the scene always didn't sit well with me. Like, whether, yeah, you didn't mention you were a vegetarian beforehand, like, and then you're going to make a big deal that you can't eat this hot dog, like. Eat around the hot dog. Yeah, eat around the hot dog. To me, it always made sense. I still think that she was just trying to control the one thing she could control. That's a good point, too. True. Oh, yeah, that's a great point, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying I agree with it, but I totally get it. No. The, nothing in her life at that point, especially with, with the whole pregnancy, was something she could control. She didn't have a say in where she was going to go, where she was going to stay, what was going to happen. But the one thing she could control is not eating meat. So I think she just clung to that out of sheer desperation of having control over anything. The last form of normalcy for her. Yeah. Mm. But I I don't know. I still think like that was the wrong time to bring it up. <laughs> oh yeah. It's still like it was, I get it. But... You want your control, but yo, could you be controlling like two minutes ago before we open this can of, you know, beefaroni or whatever? I'm I'm still laughing at what Liz just said, like <laughs> image of Bray scavenging for eight months looking for a vegetarian food and he's got to make sure she's getting her nutrients at the same time they, he probably just gave her veggies what do you think about obviously jumping way ahead season five and then she eats the pepperoni pizza the pepperoni pizza that's, that's uh, <laughs> see and that's the thing like we don't see her eat or bring it up again ever and then season no, five hits and we she's we do when the moment she when she cooks the meal for for lex oh when he gets the rat oh yeah. you mean back in season two when they still cared about characters yeah when they care <laughs> and okay so when she's with the chosen they only feed her fruit yeah that's true that's yeah. true yeah so what changes in season five she just it was doesn't season give a shit five <laughs> it was season <laughs> five it was season five. She lived with the egos. You'd think that make her more of a... No, that is clear. That was not character growth. That was clearly no, that was just writing. laziness. Someone just did not care. I don't think they liked Trudy in those later seasons. I don't... Or maybe she no. was just doing it in hopes of having Jay. <laughs> I mean, she was desperate at that point. See, yeah. my mind went to the gutter real fast on that one. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> You're so like Eric. Rex. What? <laughs> Sticking with that scene, um, um, let's talk about like Celine's reaction to her words after the hot dogs and beans because some really excellent foreshadowing put into that scene um, where Celine says she can eat anything she can get. That was quite a really good line they put in there to like seed the bulimia storyline. Um, yeah. So what, what was people's thoughts about that? It's so subtle, and I don't think you realize it until later on. And even then, you probably would have forgotten, you know, that that line happened to be there. So I thought it was clever, and good job, tribe writers, for once. 
I'm not entirely sure it was on purpose. I'm, I mean, it's possible, but uh, I don't really feel like season one is as streamlined in its writing. I feel like, so I don't really know if when they put that in there, they were thinking about her future storyline and struggle with bulimia. I mean, it's cool if they were, definitely brought kudos, but um, I don't know if I can give them the credit for that in season one. And that's not me, it's not me like, it's not me dogging on the writers. It's just season one is not as streamlined. It's definitely more experimental and there's definitely a sense of, well, let's try this. This, you know, it, yeah, the first third is one thing, the second third is another, the last third is something yeah. else. And, but hey, if it, if it was foreshadowing, I think that was really cool foreshadowing. <laughs> I just never considered it before. As much as and how open tri- the tribe was with how they filmed it, we never really got to see how they wrote an episode or what the writer's room looked like. I just would love to see the writer's room for the tribe. You can usually tell, if you ever watch the, the back scenes of a movie or a TV show, you can often tell when they're very proud of the writing because they love yes. to talk about the writing process. And um, yes. when they're not proud of the writing, when they're really not sure how this dumpster fire came together, they do not <laughs> discuss the writing. <laughs> very true. And I think it's telling by like how many people are credited as writers. Like, I think we've, we're episode four and we've had four different writers. Three. Episode three and had three different writers so far. Um, all the same director, but yeah, all written differently. Mm-hmm. Wow, that explains a lot. Yeah. That explains so much. At that, wow, just knowing yeah. that now for the first time in my life, like actually knowing that, it's a miracle that the show held together as much as it did. <laughs> Like, oh my gosh. And you, you'll see, like, the, the directors will have a run of, like, two, three episodes. And then I don't think there's ever really a run of back-to-back writers. My mind is officially blown. I need a moment. But it does. <laughs> like, it, it explains a lot, I think. Hang on a minute. I think I should have a say. This is my place, after all. Not anymore, nerd. Let's talk about um, a really great scene where jack's face just literally drops when <laughs> lex so cute more is just lip is just not his anymore um like, all through this episode you get reminders that the reality hits him that he really isn't alone no more and he doesn't own it um yeah, what, what do you think about jack's kind of persistent uh, claim of the more um and reaction to what everything's going on I mean, he's been there for so long, supposedly, by himself. Like, he's got his routines, and suddenly there's these people coming in and telling him, no, you can't play with that radio, you've got to share your food. Like, I feel for Jack, because he is, he's that kid who is set in his routine, and it turns his world upside down. Jack is a good example of why you should sometimes not even bother helping people, because... Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Almost immediately, you know, he was in a, a position of advantage. He had the hideout. He had extra food. He did not have to help these mall rats when they got chased in there by Lex. You know what I mean? And yet, this was his moment to shine. He was really happy to show it off. Look at this. I helped you. We can help each other. And almost immediately, these people are telling him what to do. And, mm-hmm. and you're right. It's everything. You can't play with the radio right now. This is silly. What you're interested in. And yeah. I, I'm totally with Jack. I wouldn't want to share my food with these people. I'm just like, I'm going to let you guys destroy yourselves. I'm not giving you anything else. They don't seem to appreciate the fact that he let them in and has given them a safe place. They're just like, okay, we're taking over. All of them do this. Amber. 
And that's why I, I never hold it against him that he has a secret food stash. Oh, me neither. Like, you know, he has every right to that because, like, they came in and just kind of shoved him aside. And, you know, here it's Lex and Amber and Bray and Trudy having all of the conversation. And never do they say, hey, Jack, what do you think about this whole situation? I, I, I do. I agree with that. I feel that these sorts of situations depend on trust. And mm-hmm. um, what people often forget is if you aren't given a reason to trust the survival group you're in, the smartest survival uh, thing to do is to keep resources for yourself and to plan for your own survival because you cannot trust these people. Jack has already proven he could be trusted by letting them in, offering mm-hmm. him space, being willing to share what food he had. They haven't done anything to earn Jack's trust. Oh, no. None of them. Not, Not at a all. single one of them has done anything. They didn't even want to say thank you immediately. He had to remind them to say <laughs> thank you. Right? They just kind of take it for granted this is his place and then now they're living there i mean amber immediately says this is our home now without even asking jack if they were welcome to stay i'm i'm sorry i'm in camp jack for this one i'm like yeah don't give give me your creamed rice they don't get it (laughs) i agree with you on most of those points but i i just still think jack shouldn't have held that back that's a key of trust right there as well well, I mean, if he's going to keep the secret, he's got to be way better at keeping it because oh, yeah. he's supposed to be manipulated. Like, oh, open, yeah. <laughs> oh, Jack. <laughs> when they were all sharing food later on, mm-hmm. all given what little rations they had, and then Jack tries to give Amber his portion as if it meant something, but it kind of didn't because he had this big food stash shut the back. So it, it kind of... Yeah, but he'd already made his grand gesture by saving them. Yeah, Jack owes nothing to Amber and the rest of them. They, he had the cool house. He was like, yo, I'm going to take on some roommates. And then these roommates came in and decided not to pay rent. Like, if it was now, Jack would be looking for some better roommates and kick them out. I understand that, yeah. <laughs> but um, trust works both ways, I think. And like that was a massive secret, especially when they're rationing so much. And um, all these new people in the mall, all these new faces. And it's like... you. I don't know. I see all your points, but I, I just don't. It doesn't sit completely well with me that he kept it a secret. Like, I guess I see your point. Like, food is a big deal, but I think that makes it that much of a. It makes it an issue. Like, you're forced to decide. Like, who whose team are you on? Do you agree with Jack? Do you don't agree with Jack? And that goes through like all of the characters. Yeah, I mean, it leads to other issues as well. Because like, if you're keeping things back. And obviously, other people can keep things back, having a better betterment on themselves, like um, Lex with the water and yeah, kind of other issues. I don't know; it's a, it's a slippery road. I think. <laughs> when you... I think, you know, that's what's cool about the tribe is it brings up these issues, and you have to kind of think about them. And is there a right answer to this? Absolutely not. <laughs> and the writers never editorialize it either. They never no. decide for you whether Jack was in the right or the wrong. Um, and I think that's cool too, because yeah. once again, like you're forced to look at your own kind of decisions and what, where on the moral compass you fall in. Um, yeah, for me, it always it sort of made sense that he kept stuff back. I could see him sharing more of it if Lex hadn't been a part of the group, because <laughs> yeah, wh- where he trusts, where he seems to have some faith in Amber, he clearly doesn't in doesn't have that same fate in Lex. 
that he's not gonna grab his stuff and run off with it. Or, well, someone like Bray. I was gonna say, who's the actual person who ran off with things? <laughs> not Lex. No, but you can, I mean, I can see Jack, why Jack would distrust them. Comes back to the philosophy, the life that Amber is trying to get them all to live is an ideal one, but it comes down to how can you possibly get everyone on the same page to live that life. Come back! Don't run away! I won't hurt you! I'm your friend! What, yeah, what, what are your thoughts about her running off of the mall, out of sight, after Bluebell the cow? Um, <laughs> she just runs off, doesn't tell anyone, um, like, literally right into the arms of the locos. Like, <laughs> we spoke about a little bit how she's a bit, like, independent and she comes to the group, but yeah, I mean, you think it was just a bit... You know what Chloe reminds me of? When I was growing up, I lived in public housing, <clears throat> and we called it the Projects. And uh, there were kids that were called project kids. And the reason they were called that is because they were just, they were born to live this life. They were perfect. They often didn't have any adult supervision, but they were super good at taking care of themselves. And even though on one hand they were kids and they really should not have been left on their own, whatever trouble they managed to get themselves into, they were very capable of getting themselves out, even in their own childish kind of way. And when I see Chloe, I don't see someone who's, clueless about her world i see someone who's kind of used to having to go it by herself anyway and she's not a terrified little mouse by the world oh she gets it she understands it's dangerous she has her moments of weakness where she just wants to cry because it sucks so much but for the most part she doesn't let it stop her from enjoying things finding happiness like okay she chases bluebell seems really dumb she's chasing this cow in the city but when she finds her and she, she recognizes right away, okay, the locos are coming. We have to go because they would have cooked you. She's very aware yeah. of the world she lives in. She just doesn't let it uh, petrify. It, she doesn't let it freeze her into inaction, no. you know, because she's clearly used to dealing with things on her own in some form, you know. And uh, I, I, I think the kind of just won me over with her. I was fascinated by a little girl in the red cardigan chasing a cow. <laughs> Instead of being terrified and staying safe in the mall, you know, um, I could relate to that kid. I was like, that's a project kid there. (laughs) I think it goes back to, you know, I think I'm one of the younger people on the panel, just in relative terms. And I, I see a lot of myself as a kid in Chloe. Like, I'm an animal lover, and I have been known to chase animals through the street because they're hurt, and I need that animal because I want to make it safe. Um, so I I get that and I relate to that. For me, in some aspects, Chloe always comes across as younger than she actually is to me. Yeah. Because a lot of younger kids, for like five, six years old, would just... If they see an animal, they'll follow it anywhere. <laughs> Still do this, Sabine, and I'm not five. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> But yeah, I've, I've known plenty of kids who would just, you know, go off on their own adventure following a cat. I can't remember if we t- touched on this before, but do you think it is a bit of um, trauma, emotional trauma in place? That's why she's kind of... I think more, so. a bit more younger than she kind of really is? I, I think she is. Yeah, but I, I do think it has to do with the emotional trauma. And much like 
uh, Trudy is holding on to the vegetarianism. Chloe is holding on to other animals. Like, she's able to take care of something outside of herself. Um, and it's... And that gives you a sense of power. You know, like, she may be small in this world, but there are things that are smaller than her that she can take care of. She's very, it, it empowers you when you can make change for yourself. And Chloe's always been a very proactive mm -hmm. character. This is true. I also found it kind of charming. <laughs> I just love the fact that even with all of this, you know, um, there's this part of this little wild girl that you cannot tame. Yeah. And I just love the image of Chloe running through a field with <laughs> bluebell, just enjoying the sunshine her whole world has crashed and that this child is able to find joy in it and i just it is so beautiful and she always manages to get herself out of these situations i'm just i'm not worried for her i'm just like you go girl go go conquer the sky i love when it. she's bringing the the milk to bluebell and she's like i brought you milk well not really it's more like coffee creamer but it's okay. <laughs> like she's trying so hard, and you're like, "Oh, baby, that's not that's not good for the little calf." But you're trying, and baby, like I will die for you, silly girl. You could have been hamburgers. Yeah, like, <laughs> you don't tell a cow that, but okay, like. But she realizes that at that age. Yeah, you guys have changed my mind a bit. I think I'm looking at Chloe in a new light now. Yeah, she's adorable. <laughs> I. And I I love Chloe in like season one when she starts getting into boys, like the little like I'll go follow this cow wherever dies, and I miss her. And can I just say that's like amazing how much the filmmakers, the, the showmakers, were willing to put up with. I mean, they always tell you the two worst children things and to cows work with in show business are two animals. animals, like, <laughs> and they got two of them in several yeah. scenes together. I'm like, wow, that that took some patience. They really were thinking out of yeah. the box. No fear, no fear. <laughs> it was good. It brings a life outside of everything. And it reminds you what the whole point of surviving is. Yeah. It's not staying in that mall and being scared every second and fighting. It's it's finding mm -hmm. joy. It's the reason we survive. Exactly. It was also nice because you see this as a pattern throughout the se seasons. That every, every episode, you know, you have some dark stuff that's going on, heavy subject matter. But they never forgot to sprinkle in some lightness. Just what are the yeah. kids up to, you know, and because for them, their whole life isn't about all the other adult drama that's happening. You know, they're 10. What are they concerned about? And they what they're concerned about matters. And that, too, those are the know? kids being kids moments that I live for in this show. And I think more so now that I'm yeah. an adult, like it's as a kid, it was like, Haha, that's kooky. As an adult now, I see what that actually is. And it's cool. Childhood. I don't expect you to take us in empty-handed. Well, what have you got? Whatever it is, we don't want it. And I can get more. I'm sick of this. Are you going to let him buy his way in here with tins of peaches and chocolate? Hey, um, let's talk about a subject that we all love. <laughs> Repetitive brain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love me some manipulative oh, prey. The scene that really made me laugh was when he offers food that he himself stole back to the group. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Way to go. Cheek. cheek. That's just sheer cheek of that scene. 
You are a jerk, sir. Thank you very much. The door is that way. How can you do that? Oh, like- <laughs> that's how I feel about that scene. Like, <laughs> I love this is my favorite shade of Ray. I, I love him when he is not presented as the perfect hero who does everything right. When he's just a human being who's just as much of a jerk as anybody else. Yeah. And uh, I, oh my gosh, I love his him being i love him being this way i just he feels like a human being you know and he also feels like a kid especially when you look at this whole situation and you're like this all could have been prevented if he hadn't like he basically he brings trudy into the worst situation he sets up this awful situation for this girl he was, I bet you anything, he, when he went back to her, he was talking oh, yeah. to them all. Yeah, they totally love me. They've accepted me. It's going to be great. So she gets in there, and she doesn't know, oh, by the way, I stole from yeah. them, <laughs> and I lost to them. And they're just, like, not happy to see him. He could have left a yeah. note. You know what I mean? I'm just going out. I'll be oh, right back. hey, Amber. It, oh, my BT goodness. Dubs, I've got this friend who's pregnant. Like, I left her on the side of the road. Can I go get her? Like, oh, he knew. He was- he was making eyes oh, yeah. at Amber. He yeah. knew. He's like, I'm like, in this. I got it in the pocket with this one. somebody. <laughs> like, yo, Lex, you're an asshole. But by the way, I'm going to go get my pregnant chick. Like, I took some food. We'll be back soon. Like, And Trudy nails it. She even nails it when she, she's confronting him later on in the season that, oh, yeah, bring a pregnant girl with you. It's like a yeah. ticket in. Think about it. Why wouldn't he mention Trudy? To these people if he started to trust them and believe this would be the best place for Trudy why not take a couple of them aside and say look here's the thing this is my situation da 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 you know he, he presents them with a pregnant girl believing there's no way they will turn a pregnant mm-hmm. girl away it's the same reason he didn't tell his brother guess what you have a baby on the way he didn't say anything until he could present him with an actual child yep. Like, that's how Brady manipulates people. Emotional manipulation. I love it. It's terrible. It's awful. Bad Bray, but I love it. (laughs) I also like when it backfires on him. I feel bad for Trudy, but (laughs) I feel bad that Trudy's the one who has to live with the fallout, but... And he's so self-righteous, too. He's so shocked that it didn't work. Like, what kind of people are you? And it's like, Bray, you caused this. You caused this problem. Just how, how straight he plays it. It's like... yeah. Yeah, I've, I've got this food and, and I can get more. He's like, <laughs> like, you stole it. You stole that food. Like, why didn't you bring more to start <laughs> with? Because you're not giving it. He doesn't actually give them more food than he no. actually stole from them. Like, dude, if you can get more food, you should have brought more food. Like, and I love how Lex is going, you're going to let him yeah. buy his way and in Lex here. totally calls <laughs> him out on it. the peaches and chocolate. Lex totally calls him out on it. Like... He's exactly. like, I know this game you're manipulating, and everyone's gonna look past you because you're Bray and whatever. But I'm gonna make sure that I know that you know I'm on to you. So, <clears throat> <laughs> sorry, I don't like that everyone's all like, "Oh, Bray's really cute," ah! and yet he does stuff like that. Well, that's usually how it is with young viewers. Um, you get caught up, you get way too caught up in how they look compared to their actions. And it's when you get older that you start looking at the characters. But Lex is the bad guy, light. guys. Moral of the story, Lex is the bad guy. 
Is he though? Because they, you know, they have to craft these characters. There is a narrative between yeah. behind them. You know what I mean? Bray is supposed to be the reluctant martyr hero. Amber is the leader. Lex is the bad guy that you love. Well, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like you're not meant to hate Lex permanently. No. You're meant to get mad at him. But he's always and Ebony is always supposed to be the villain that you still can ally yourself with. There's a narrative to each character, you know, and they are written to fit that narrative. It's annoying. It gets predictable yes. and whatever, but, but it's there. Still. Trudy will always be the damsel in distress. <laughs> like, what can we do to destroy this girl's life this season? You know. And but I do like that we're finally calling Bray out on being the master oh, yeah. manipulator that he is. I, I think. I think, like I said, the older you get and the more you revisit, you start seeing the characters and all their colors and all their layers, and that's when you recognize. You know, oh, okay. I thought of the character this way when I was younger, but now that I've revisited it, I see them for who they are or whatever. So no, it's not like we're the first to notice right, the total. Terror. And I do like that the show just side point, like the show has grown with you, like you know. But it's been twenty some years now, and we're still talking about it. We're still finding stuff about it, and that's cool. That is the best part of season one. And that's probably why season one, even though I know it's not the best written story or plot wise or even character wise, it is my favorite season because it's the one season where every character you meet shows you a good side and a bad, and a bad side. Yeah. There's something to love about that character or believe in. And there's something to hate yeah. about that character. Every single one, not a single one of the characters gets away with this. They all show that they've got dark shades and light shades and other seasons just don't do that with everybody. And the fact that they're, they allow their hero to be a jerk, you know, they allow the, the white knight leader lady to also have a power issue. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's awesome. It's very awesome to see that. They could have easily just made Trudy so sympathetic. She's the new mom in this world, but they make her a spoiled brat. You know what I mean? I love that all of the characters have And changed. I mean, I think that's why the tribe is so appealing as well. Like, it is a very deep show for a children's show. Where are you going? You don't need me for this. Well, you can't just leave. You haven't said anything. What do you think? What's that supposed to mean? It means I don't care either way. Well, you can't just not have an opinion. I'll take that as a no, then. Um, yeah, uh, speaking of characters and their narratives, um, obviously Amber continues her big push to give everyone a voice in their new society. We've obviously talked about that before, but your thoughts about the scene with Dao in particular? I think there was any like resentment he has for Amber because they still haven't left the city, or he just doesn't mind being told what to do or how to do it. Oh, I definitely think oh, it's yeah. resentment. Yeah, absolutely, because Dao is capable of having an opinion when it matters, but he did not ask yeah. to be here. Amber put them both in the situation, and now it sucks. And now she's coming to him and wants to know what he thinks of it. And I'm sure he's looking at her like, you know, I don't want to be here. I don't yeah. care about this little society you're trying to build. And he doesn't, I do feel like there's a tiny bit of smug resentment that, oh, is your society not working exactly. out? Exactly. And watching it. <laughs> That's great. Watching it this morning. Like, I definitely felt that. Like, he doesn't have an opinion because that's not where he wants to be. His opinion is for us to leave and go on our journey and do what we plan to do and forget this place so why are you asking me this and she you know she can be yeah pushy 
you know, even with her closest friends. And with Dal, it's very clear it's not a democracy with Dal. It's what Amber thinks is best. She wants a democracy, but let's face it, Amber's idea of a democracy is what yeah. she thinks is best. I was going to say, Amber. Amber doesn't really know the word, the meaning of the word democracy. Right. You know what I mean? Again, it's just a human flaw in her character, which is what makes her awesome in season one because she's a yeah. person, you know? And uh, so, yeah, I, I just, even I felt like, Amber, what do you want this kid to say to you? You know what I mean? Why should he give a crap? He never wanted to be here. He never asked to stay here. He's here to support you. That is literally it. You haven't considered him at all since you got here. You immediately started <laughs> making plans to arrange the yeah. place. And now you want to know how he feels. No wonder he's like, get out of my face with that, okay? You know how I feel. Yeah. And she's shocked. How can you not have an like, opinion? <laughs> like, because I his opinion, opinion is I to promise. leave. Doesn't want to be there. I didn't ask to be a tribe with these people. <laughs> I went in my farm <laughs> you and my, my stuff. And, jeez. Couldn't just leave Chloe in the road, could ya? <laughs> so yeah, you have that, that lovely moment where Del tells Amber... He doesn't give about whatever opinions he has, what choice he makes about Trudy, because he really could care less what happens. He just wants out of there. But in the end, he does actually make a choice to say, no, I don't want her to stay here, before Amber casts her vote. Yeah, that always intrigued me, because first he says, I don't care either way, but apparently he does care, and he decides to vote for all I mean, the guys. I think that's kind of, at that situation, he's a body. Um, you know, like, hey, I'm, I'm stuck here, so I might as well vote with these guys. And maybe, if there's not a baby, if Trudy's not here, maybe Amber and I can get on our way. But it's also proof that just because he doesn't have an opinion in that moment where he doesn't want to talk to Amber about it, doesn't mean he's incapable yeah. of having mm-hmm. an opinion. And it's not one built of resentment. It's a very logical reason. You know, it may not be the nicest thing for someone to say, but it is real. And um, so, again, I think that, yeah, he, I don't think that Dal is someone who's just simply waiting to be told what to do. Just because he doesn't crave leadership doesn't mean he isn't capable of making decisions for himself. Unlike Ryan, <laughs> for that matter. I'm going to leave that subject yeah, I'm for gonna, another day. I'm gonna <laughs> let that... Just kind of slide. <laughs> mm. But it, it is something that you can address with this episode, because even Sandra tells Ryan, it's a baby. Even you could teach it something. That was just mean. That was just mean. <laughs> Sorry, Sandra, that was mean. Ryan, I'll just say this. Ryan is capable of having an opinion of his own. He's just clearly never been encouraged mm-hmm. to have one, which means he's not confident in his own choices, fundamental choices he can handle. Like, am I loyal to this person? Am I loyal to that person? That's the kind of thing he can, he has confidence in. But his own thoughts and opinions, clearly someone ran him down and he cannot trust his own thoughts. And, you know, even his closest friends run him down, you know, and everybody treats him like a dumb lug. And uh, it, you see more of his own personal thoughts come out, the more confident he feels mm-hmm. with the people he's around, people who actually express giving a damn about what he thinks. And then he actually starts sharing what he yeah. thinks. And it's like, oh, there's a lot more going up there, you know? But he lives in a world where he doesn't believe anyone gives a crap what he thinks, Very you true. know? And it, it's lovely to see him grow in that way, though. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I never felt like Ryan was dumb or didn't have an opinion. He's just so used to it not not being anyone caring what's going on in his head that he doesn't offer anything. Think about it. Every time someone asks Ryan what he thinks, he's always surprised. He's like, uh, yeah. I didn't even prepare an answer. I didn't study for this test. I didn't know that I'd be participating. Nobody ever asks me what I think or feel. So Very true. Yeah. Don't call my bae stupid. Uh, <laughs> I don't... I have never thought Ryan was stupid. I'm just saying that right now. I just... I think you're absolutely right. Like, he wasn't ever given the opportunity to voice his concerns or thoughts. And maybe if he did, he was shot down. So he's just learned to kind of stand there and take it as it comes. Ryan is willing to be anything for the people he cares about. If they don't want his opinion, he can handle mm-hmm. that. He's like, oh, I'm not here for my thoughts. You know what I mean? So, Definitely. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> but still, he doesn't come across as the brightest person in the in the first few episodes. Well, of course, you know, and he's people treating him that way nobody really i mean they all kind of throw into their personality in the first few episodes seems to be this is the can of worms you open by mentioning (laughs) (laughs) democracies need defending i'm not attacking you amber i think you and me could work together matter of fact i think you and me could get on really well if you know what i mean back off so let's move on to Frustrated Lex <laughs> um, gets more and more frustrated throughout the entire episode. Obviously, his encounter with Bray. Um, obviously, Zanjo not giving him what he wants. Um, <laughs> and we see him almost try it on with Amber as well at one point. Um, yeah, what do you think about Frustrated Lex? Giggles. <laughs> um, it's a good illustration to what living in that mall would be like living with all these people that don't think the same don't really get along don't have the same value system and you're not living with them out of choice you're not living with them because you want to it's because you don't you can't go anywhere else i think it, it does a good job of building the powder keg of what life in that mall would be like if you were trapped there yeah it's a great looking set but if you were trapped there with these people it's setting up storylines for why so many other people just like we're running away (laughs) we're running away you know because think about how many characters run away in season one alone and you really need to express why they would after you just spent two episodes showing how dangerous it is outside you need to explain why these same people would be willing to risk that to just get the frick out of the mall and lex flipping out i think is a really great expression of that because even if you don't have his anger issues and you know how to deal with your rage, I would feel the same way. Just like, oh my gosh, living with all of you people. You haven't really done anything wrong, but I can't stand your face. <laughs> it goes back to the, the roommate, you know, analogy. Like, he did not pick his roommates. And, you know, Lex's idea of who he would probably want to live with is most definitely not Trudy and a baby. Like, the guy wants to sleep till two or Bray. Like, and so it was kind of one of those things that was just building and building and building. And to see him explode was kind of like exciting, I guess. It also shows that none of them actually have any power. They all feel powerless. Even the top players feel like, I don't know what to freaking do. (laughs) I don't know what to do with 
if you can't even control the simplest of where you live and who you live with, like, oh my gosh, who you're going to survive with. I think he really just wants Bray gone. I think he just wants a lot of things gone in all. Yeah, but he he he. But he could work with Amber. I think it's yeah. Bray. He's just like that one needs to. Yeah, you know, Bray's competition. Yeah, Bray's Amber competition. Isn't. But he also, I'm sure he's not thrilled with the kids. Like, there's a lot of people in the mall that he would probably be okay with getting at. If Amber wasn't willing to work with him as much and like kind of listen in on his ideas, I think he would want her gone too. But the fact that somehow Amber seems to bring him into the fold and talk about democracy and building up stuff like she doesn't treat him like the bully that everyone else seems to treat him as makes her valuable in his situation what were your thoughts about Lex trying to come on to Amber a bit because um, we know his like sexual frustrations get later on by Tyson but do you think about pass <laughs> that he made <laughs> Oh, Lexi, 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 baby. <laughs> that boy has never made a pass that he's not willing to make. I swear. <laughs> you know, and it's just, you know, it's a girl that he feels he can get along with. You know, there's probably some attraction yeah. there. As he said, I'm, you know, I'm not looking to go against you, Amber. I think we can get along really well. <laughs> you know, I do, I'm sure there's some genuine attraction. You know, there's something hot about a tough chick who's not afraid of you. And Lex is like, yeah, okay. And, um, <laughs> you know she's not subservient she doesn't let him treat her like crap you know i'm sure on some level he's like that's pretty hot i like that and um you know he also i think on some level respects her because this is a world of might makes right and yet amber's holding her own and she's not letting anyone shout or scare her down and that is something i think someone like lex can respect mm -hmm. um because he shows her more respect than he does zandra at times um, because Amber is willing to stand up to him and fight him, and I'm sure that gets the blood flowing. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, it makes perfect sense that he would see, he would be like, I wonder if this could go somewhere. 100% agree. I don't know if you guys can tell, like, the biggest smile I have on my face. <laughs> Lex and Amber are like, I am so sad we never got to see it happen. I want it. <laughs> Write the fic. Like, that's I love them. Um, and yes. <laughs> I mean, they definitely have a Elizabeth and Darcy kind of uh, dynamic going on. Absolutely. <laughs> they are. I mean, even when we said that we were going to talk about them, like I did the like hand heart thing. Like you guys can't see that, but I was totally like, yay, let's talk about Amber. I love them. <laughs> Also, oh, going back to the way he was with the kids, I was just thinking, um, now this is just in-universe speculation, but I'm picturing Paul. There he is in this crashed world, and he's, he's just having yeah. a moment of happiness, okay? He's playing a ball game with his sister, and he's, he's cheering, you know? He can't hear himself. He doesn't know how loud he's being. He's just, for a moment, he's just a little boy mm -hmm. having fun, not hiding, and all of a sudden, Lex is raging in his face, and he's so proud of himself for beating this child down emotionally, you know, and, um, and yet when I think about that scene, how he made Paul feel, I'm wondering how many times this was done to Lex as a child. Oh, definitely. Because he, I mean, he even learned his, this from some place, you know, in his pre-tribe, it's brought up like that his parents or his father became an abusive drunk and all of that. Like, 
I mean, we learn in season two that, you know, he tells us he came from an abusive home, but it's moments like this that always told me, I was like, this kid was abused. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. this is a learned behavior. He's not just bullying Paul, you know, this, no. this isn't when he, this isn't the same as when he bullies Jack. He is crushing Paul. He wants to shout Paul down. He wants to make, and I don't think he necessarily realized that too i think it was hey this kid's being loud i don't like that he's being loud whenever i was loud this is what happened to me oh yeah it's definitely a reflexive thing he doesn't consider it as terrible he doesn't ever think about it again you know Mm -hmm. Um, he doesn't even have any particular hatred for the children as we'll see as time goes on it's just that's what gets me how thoughtless he's able to be this abusive to a little boy because this was clearly done to him. It was normalized in Lex's world to be this way. This is how he deals with his emotions. And I'm looking at Paul's face and all I see is, oh my gosh, I remember thinking the first time I ever saw it was, who did this to you, Lex? You know? We need to vote. We'll do it by a show of hands. One vote per person. What? They get to vote too? Kids? They live here too. Oh, and the dog? Does he get to vote as well? Well, they're letting you vote. Um, the episode pretty much wraps up with the big tribal vote. Um, mm-hmm. This is the kind of big key ethos of the show where you see the tribe coming together. I did really like this scene, I think, because it just gives everyone a voice. It kind of shows the messages of the tribe. Yeah, what do you think about everyone voting and how they voted? Pretty much boys versus the girls here, wasn't it? You know, I think it's telling. Like, yeah, boys probably wouldn't want a kid. Like, And girls are they're not seeing it as a baby that cries and needs food and needs taken care of. They see it as a piece of furniture. Like they see it as the dolly that they grew up playing with. Um, so I think that was really cool. Like a nature nurture moment of seeing like boys reaction versus girl reaction. And then Amber's reaction. Mm-hmm. I just like their personal reasons, you know, yeah. it's so much about who these people are. I, I mean, you have Celine, who actually does feel a sense of nurturing and responsibility for a child that needs care, and that says who she is. And then you have someone like Zandra who wants a baby around because she thinks it would be cute, you know. And um, you know, you have some of the, not you know some of them who don't want the baby around. They don't want it. They just don't want to be bothered. And then you have others who want don't want the baby around for very practical reasons. Even Lex has very practical reasons for not yeah. wanting a baby in the mall. It's not just out of cruelty or hatred he makes very valid points as to what it would be like have you you know this is a this is a loud human being we're supposed to be hiding you know um and i and they all make very valid points about why or why not and I, i do really like that insight to who they are as people and how they feel about the situation what they're actually concerned about in life you know and um and I really love that Amber votes the baby out. Mm-hmm. It's a very human moment for her. She isn't perfect. She isn't the white knight. She's just a person. And she has a very good reason for thinking this is a bad idea. And she brings up points that nobody else does. This isn't a dolly. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's not just about the noise. It's the care that this child is going to need. And we're just a bunch of kids who can't even get along and take care of ourselves. Who are we kidding, you know? I've also wondered, going back, is if the conversation between Lex and Amber and 
if that struck a chord, because Alexa very much calls out, like, you only want them around because you think Bray is cute. And then you have this opportunity to kind of get rid of him with no complications. Like, you get to wash your hands of it. I wonder if that was also in her way of voting them that's a very interesting point yeah and i've kind of thought that because amber up until this point doesn't seem like the cold person who would toss a kid out on the streets like a pregnant lady and she for the most part she is all for bringing them into the mall until it comes up that she fancies bray i've always thought that was the reason why she wanted them out yeah and i have too um but just without saying, it's so much easier to say, oh, it's another f- person to feed and it's noise. But really, we don't want this guy hanging around the mall because that's going to be a problem. Bray bringing Trudy to the mall complicated a lot of things for Amber. You can, And it's unspoken, but it's mm-hmm. there it's in the acting. Like, from the moment she saw him, she was attracted to him. And it's the sexy eyes. <laughs> the two of them were making the eyes at each other all through. <laughs> From the minute they were in the sewers, oh, yeah. dinner, everything, those eyes. And Bray knew what he was doing, okay? He knew. And there's definitely no doubt that Amber was, you know, very in favor of him. But you see her expression change entirely when he, when it seems he betrayed them and stole from them. And you can see her doubting herself and being angry with herself because she trusted a pretty face. And then he shows up again and, you know... You know, she's waiting for an explanation, but what is the explanation? It's a pregnant girl. And you can see it in her face, like, almost like she can't trust her own instincts. She thought this was a nice guy who might actually be into her because of the way he was looking at her. But guess how little she knew about him? He was willing to steal from them. He had a pregnant girl, you know. And I I do feel like Lex's conversation just creeps even harder into that self-doubt. And, uh, yeah, get him out of here. You know what I mean? <laughs> I can't trust my judgment around this person. Because I know Celine is the one who's like, but Amber, how could you do that? Well, you think it's this way, but it's actually because I wanted Bray out. I mean, she's not wrong about how hard it would be to have a kid in the mall and, you know, the responsibility. But, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. But I, the- I think the motive was definitely Bray and not the baby. Yep. Take your pregnant girlfriend somewhere else, buddy. <laughs> That leads us on to, um, obviously, his big passionate speech when he's shown the door. Keep your sympathy. And you know where you can stick your democracy? What sort of people turn away a pregnant girl? What kind of world are you planning? One with no babies in it? Because you won't last long then, will you? People make me sick. You know better than the locals. At least they don't try and pretend to be anything. Come on, Trudy. And you can keep your food. I hope it chokes you. Um, what do you think about his your food and hope it chokes you kind of attitude? <laughs> uh, that's, that's a line of a desperate man. Like, <laughs> it was very much just rage of being kicked out. But also, like, we will because you won't steal from us anymore. Bye. It definitely speaks to someone who's used to being able to get what they want. Mm-hmm. And it's just in utter disbelief <laughs> that it <laughs> didn't work. 
Like he really is shocked. My he, eyes of you in the sewer didn't help. He, he, I mean, he again, I, understand. I do believe on some level he thought you guys are supposed to be good people. Good people wouldn't put a, ba- a you know, girl and her baby on the street. But it's like, on some level, Bray, you have to know this situation. You made it like this. You yeah. Know what I, mean? um, I wonder how much the vote would have been different if he would have just been like, yo, I've got this pregnant girl in the bush. Like, exactly. I'm not going to steal from you. Just can you help us out? Because she's pregnant. Like, if he would have been so forthcoming, like, would we be in this situation? Probably not. You know what I mean? Again, it's one of those things where Bray thinks, oh, I can handle this. I'm going to handle everyone the way I think it needs to be handled. And I admit, I kind of love it when it backfires on him. <laughs> I Like I said, I only feel bad for Trudy in this situation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm just he, he kind of screwed her over. Um, but I, I don't, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm not moved by the impassioned speech, to be honest. Because again, I'm just like, dude, you could have avoided all of this. You know what I mean? If you had yeah. just been straight with us. You were trying to take advantage of us. So don't, you don't get to judge us or decisions. That's, okay. Yeah, that's why I never felt bad for them voting them out. Like, you kind of really didn't do anything to be honest with us. Like, you came in our mall, you stole from us, you weren't forthcoming with anything, and now you want us to help you? I felt bad for Trudy. Yeah, that's the only one I felt bad for. <laughs> I mean, Bray just... Ass. No, Bray reminds me of friggin' Flynn Rider thinking he can use the smaller to get his way whenever and being surprised when it doesn't work. Yeah. On behalf of Flynn Rider, though. <laughs> his smolder does work. Oh, yes, on. unlike Bray's. Bray's does not work. I like just... Flynn's smolder. <laughs> Bray's smolder has nothing compared to Flynn Rider's smolder. I, I know, but you know that moment when Flynn Rider tries to use the smolder on Rapunzel and it doesn't work? <sighs> he has that look of, wait, is my smolder broken? <laughs> and that's the, that's the same look Bray has at some, t- some moments in this episode. Let's take a look at our favorite quotes of the week. Yet another tough one this week, but I think I am going to go with uh, Celine and Trudy's breakdown. Trudy? Celine, I'm so scared. I don't know what to do. I've never had a baby before. Don't worry, I'll help you. I thought we might find a doctor somewhere, but there's no one, just kids. It'll be fine. I mean, babies have been getting born for a long time now. It's natural, isn't it? Not in this world, it isn't. And then, of course, you've got that look. Oh, my goodness. I, I love that look that Trudy gives after because she's got the classic doomed ingenue expression. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the makeup and everything is so dramatic and beautiful. And she even cries the perfect tear. I'm like, girl. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, that separates Antonia from like the rest of them. Yeah. Like, just the, the acting on that. Antonia goes hard or she goes home. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She definitely does. Yeah, I do. I agree, Lance. That's a great line. And one of those that hit me the hardest. Mm-hmm. I think the other one that hit me hard was uh, Celine saying to Bray about whether or not they would be allowed to stay. And she says, 
it's the future, isn't it? This baby is the future. They can't turn their backs on that. Have they said she can stay yet? No. They will. I mean, it's the future, isn't it? This baby's the future. They can't turn their backs on that. Have any of us got a future? Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Celine saying, well, at least, Bray, you have a future. You're going to be a dad. Or at least that's what they think at that point. Yeah. And I noticed today watching it, like, there's a bit of hesitation from Trudy at that that I don't think I've noticed before. Oh, I've always noticed it. I always knew there was yeah? something about the baby because it was very clear. <laughs> Every time someone refers to him as the father or them as co-parents, there's always an exchange of looks or hesitation before either of them answer. I think I noticed. And yeah. it's, always, it's always a very political kind of answer. They never lie, but they never quite yeah. confirm what you've said. Trudy and Bray never state that he's the dad. They no. never state that they're a couple. They very carefully dance around ever confirming that. They, they're yeah. just using the suspicion, but they're always aware. Like, I've always caught that the, you know, the replies and the answers and the spoken was always there, but not no necessarily the looks. The looks are great. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm going to start paying off. attention to that. But, you know, I was also a young and dumb child watching this the first time. Very dumb child. Extremely <laughs> <laughs> dumb. I think I never thought he was the father from the very start. See, well, okay, put it this way. I didn't realize what they meant by the water's broken until, like, I found out what, like, having a baby, what that was. And then I was like, oh, she peed. Like, that's what happened. That's why they're backing up. Like, I get it now. You clearly didn't see kittens born then, like Chloe. <laughs> a what? That was... <laughs> oh, no, I never saw anything born. Ever. It was magic. <laughs> yeah. I am I am definitely Chloe, but I haven't seen kittens born. I've I've watched things hatch. I've had to deal with that, but you know what that is. That's a baby. So Hill, what's your Lex Zinger of the week? You know which one I was expecting? That's a novelty, you thinking. Yes! Oh, I love that one. Yeah, I'll i gonna I'll take that one. He says it's not that line. Uh, oh he, yeah, he's such a jerk to her um, because yeah, they're talking fine. about the baby. Okay, my favorite zinger is that's a novel to you thinking. There, I said it. <laughs> oh. Any final thoughts on the episode? I admit this is when I would have been like rethinking the whole staying in the mall with these people thing. <laughs> right? I get tired of people really quick, even when I was young, and I would have been like, you know, my chances are way better if I leave you people behind. <laughs> right. <laughs> I can already see the drama coming down the pipe. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> nope. True. I'm taking some of your tin peaches and I'm gone. <laughs> Do you think Braille was ever like, damn it, I should have just taken those peaches and ran. Mm. Like, screw it. I'm sure plenty of them regretted trying to make right. I think Del regretted not leaving. Yeah. I don't think Del ever really truly gets over it. I mean, he makes some peace with it, but yeah, it's always there, a sense of being trapped in the city. It's um, episode three of Conversations on Eagle Mountain. Um, thank you, panel, for having the discussion again. And do send in your comments and suggestions about the podcast. Um, we're going to hope to read out some of your suggestions in a future episode. Uh, so yeah, see you in episode four. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.